This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Say hello to everybody and welcome to Ages and Icons. I'm Mike Crisologo. And, and I'm Gina Bucci. Gina's here as always. And we are live in studio with the one and only Ms. Mary Walsh. Mary, Yay. thank you for being here. Well, thank you guys for having me. Well, it's more like live to tape, Mary. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm running everything. So I'll be on, on mic uh, sporadically. I'll be running the camera. I'm running the, the recorder. But Mary's here and all's good. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is the part where we awkwardly run down your resume. Of course, everybody knows you from Codco, from uh, This Hour is 22 Minutes. Um, you're currently starring on uh, CBC's Little Dog and, and so many other projects. Hatching, matching, and dispatching, I always like to mention. And My favorite thing I've ever done. And it's like so many people love that yeah. show. And why can't it get back on the air? <laughs> it's full of, you know, Mark McKinney and Johnny Harris and Sherry White and Adriana Maggs and Susan Kent and... My God, it's just chock-a-block full of great comedic talent and uh, Joel Thomas Hines. And, but anyway, there you go. So, and I, so, I have to say, too, the first time I ever heard that title, yeah. and, and like it, it was a slow burn as it occurred to me, like, oh, hatching, matching, and dispatching, the, the ambulance service, the, the wedding service, the funeral service. Like, yeah. It makes sense. What a great concept for a show. I think so, too. Uh, but I, did, I thought when I was a little girl and I went to visit my mom up in... Uh, uh, Conception Harbor, the Hickeys had an ambulance service, and, and they also had a wedding hall and a funeral parlor, but it said on the Hickeys, Hickeys ambulance service, hatching, matching, and dispatching, and I thought it was like that insouciant kind of Newfoundland, like Newfoundlanders find comedy in all the yeah. darkest places, right? Uh, and, th- and that's what I went for, but it turns out uh, Protestant clergy use that very much. They use that phrase. That's what they do. They hatch, match, and dispatch, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I had never heard it before Before I saw it on the Hickey's uh, uh, fun- uh, wedding, uh, no, ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're also here today. Um, that is me. Is that you? Yeah, Should I turn me. that off? Sure. Yeah, okay. Sorry about this, guys. I just forgot to turn it That's off. Okay. I forgot where I was. If it's important, you should take it. No, it's not important. How? I mean, what is going to be that important? I mean, I guess a call for my son or a call for my husband. Or the doctor, I guess. But other than that, really, <laughs> what can't wait till you? I mean, actually, I find that people think that they, people feel in many ways that they are more in entrapped in, in with the. But I find I don't respond to the phone the way I used to when it was just the regular dial phone. Right. Because if 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 you didn't get it, you didn't know who called. Whereas now, for Christ's sakes, I mean, they leave a message; it already comes up on your phone. You can call them back. It's easy peasy, yeah. right? So I find that I. I don't have that jump to it thing anymore at all. It's true. You could call them back. You could text them back. You could Facebook message them. You could get <laughs> the right. smoke signal if you want. That's right. Um, you know, oh, well, here. What was it like when you got the call that uh, told segue, you... Good segue, Mike. Good segue. <laughs> <laughs> that told you that you were getting the Earl Grey Award at the Canadian Screen Awards for, for lifetime achievement for your body of work. Wow. I just was really... Uh, you know, overwhelmed because it is such a great honor and... Um, and I hadn't expected, like, uh, you know, there, 
there's you know in everybody's career I guess there are down times you know there are times when everybody wants you to come over and be in their movie and there are times when people go are you kidding me uh, who wants to talk to me uh, so you know and I I just wasn't expecting and I'm a, I'm up for a best actress yeah. and best support too and I I just I was I'm overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed with gratitude and I was in no way expecting it I just I thought I was going to go into my usual of course they wouldn't nominate me <laughs> I thought I was going to have to go back to my old bitterness but luckily I can just keep moving ahead in in sunny and uh, sunny sunny days with uh, with the prime minister I mean, you're going to add this Earl Grey Award to a, a list of accolades, including a Governor General's uh, Performing Arts Lifetime Achievement Award in Order of Canada. I think uh, somebody said 18 Geminis. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, what does this particular uh, award accolade mean for you? Well, you know, I suppose it's a it's a difficult job in many ways. I mean, uh, I know there are more difficult jobs for sure, but it is a difficult job being a woman in comedy. And then to be an old woman in comedy, it's an almost impossible job. So to be recognized and lauded is so sweet, you know. And, uh, you know, I have so many more things I want to do and so many projects in the works. And uh, and so it will help, you know, it will help me. It will help me personally, emotionally to feel like I'm still part of and not, you know, done in. And... Um, uh, and also, it will just help open doors, I guess, for the for that two days that anybody remembers that you <laughs> yeah you won, right? <laughs> I, I so talk- I'm moving fast. After Sunday, <laughs> I've got a series of meetings set up for Monday and Tuesday. You've got to pounce. It's your moment. <laughs> I want to get to your new projects in a sec. But first, just because, I mean, you've had such a, a long, successful career. And, I mean, people remember you, as we said off the top, from so many different aspects of your career. Um, but when you look back on your work and uh, different projects and different characters that you've played, what what do you remember the most fondly? Well, you know, I, I, you know, to me, always the hatching, matching, and dispatching was so exquisite to me. Some, some, for some reason, for some unknown magical reason, we all really got along really well. We didn't really know each other that well, any of us, and it all gelled you know and we yeah. loved doing it and uh, that was uh, that was so great and then to get to do the movie two years ago uh, Christmas Fury based on that and for everybody to come back and for us all to be you know because it's not like we spend the time in between like calling each other up and going oh my god Mark I love you some lot or anything <laughs> you know but we still it was just like riding a bike it was just all back again yeah. so that was wonderful and you know many times I you know of course um, I just did uh, another um, um, 22 minutes right and the 22 minutes crowd you know uh, you know it was uh, I it was my idea for the show 20 what 2,000 years ago back uh, <laughs> before the earth hardened and uh, uh, and then, but of course, all those e- extraordinary people came on board and all the production people and stuff like that. So I was there just two weeks ago. I, I ambushed uh, uh, Andrew Shear as as Mark. And <laughs> Kathy and I did a walk in the park about dope. And um, uh, it was so wonderful to be there with everyone. Like, it's such a great crew. And 
Mark McKinney said to me once, I was part of a company called Codco. Yep. I guess I was about 20 when we started. And, and he was with uh, Kids in the Hall, right? And he said when he left, when they broke up, he always thought, oh, that's the way it's going to be. Like, I will have that kind of magic with everyone, right? Yeah. That kind of shorthand, that kind of understanding. And the same with Codco, right? Like you just and, – and you go out into the world and you realize, oh, no. That was a very special, but again, to have that very special thing again with uh, with hatching, and then finally to come to that very special place with, um, uh, I was going to say kids in the hall. Kids <laughs> in the hall. I was a kid in the hall. Did you know that? No. Uh, with uh, uh, this hour. It's just yeah. been, I've, I've been blessed, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, a lot of people remember you uh, planting a kiss on Stephen Harper's face as yes. Marg. Uh, and I just I watched it again yesterday. I know you've done so many d- different ambushes, so many uh, sketches. So I hate to reduce it to just asking about this one. Yeah. But it's hard to imagine in today's political climate, somebody going up to a, a leader of a conservative party. He wasn't the leader. He wasn't then, a leader at see? the time. OK, that's so this is the why key. I even got close to him, because you remember when he became the leader and then when he became the prime minister, he wouldn't even let real journalists yeah. come out behind a yellow wall because the conservatives aren't about these new conservatives are not about comedy or fun or light they're about dark and fear mongering and and so but of course he would do anything to be on uh, the show at that point because he wasn't even it was the leadership convention when right. I got him okay right. and uh, and so uh, you know and and then remember Jerry Hall got arrested she was a person who was on she was a, yes. a female comedian yeah and she used to do the a, a, a young woman who was really taken with people. Yeah, she was flirting with And she went them. to see, yeah. uh, she went to a scrum with Stephen Harper and the RCMP arrested her. Yeah. Because she said, oh, you're so good looking. I love you. You're so hot. What? So, you know, that definitely that crowd is not. But of course, I just got Andrew Shearer as he was coming out of a CBC interview the other day. So you can sometimes get people, but when, if he goes on pray god that that doesn't happen but if he does then i'll never be talking to him again i you know not that not my choice do yeah. people do politicians in general react to you differently now like say when you, you do that with an andrew Shear as compared to maybe 20 years ago if you're doing it with Chrétien or, or whoever well you know the liberals they're more liberal I mean, that's the name. And yeah. the conservatives, like, they're more conservative, yeah. you know. It's weird, but that's true. And so the liberals are more liberal about things. Like, they're more willing to take a chance right. on stuff and and maybe end up looking like a fool. But usually they end up looking, like, really like Hail Fellow Well Met. Like, he's a guy I'd like to, you know, have a beer with or something, people right. think. If people drink beer anymore, I don't know. But, but, but the conservatives aren't interested in that kind of thing. So I would say... Uh, that um, I, I don't know. I know Mark Critch does. I haven't been in the ambushing business in a long time because there was no ambushing business after Jerry Hall got arrested that right. time. Uh, so um, so now Mark uh, uh, talks to uh, the prime minister and uh, and then I don't think we didn't. We've done an old fashioned ambush because the times are different, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. And people uh, there was there was a, a lot of support on online. But there were people who, you know, uh, I don't know if you're allowed to say this, you know, a big, fat, ugly old whore. Uh, that 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 was some of the 
the nicer remarks and uh, about me. Against people were saying yeah, that about yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wow! Uh, just for ambushing, you know, like I don't know where the whore comes into it. I, yeah, I, I never did anything with it. It's not like I kissed him, uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So so there is a lot of vitriol out there that yeah. perhaps wasn't there twenty years ago. You know, yeah. and. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure about that, but that's my feeling, you know? And I think we have to be brave in the face of that and not mind. Like, because people were probably thinking that. They just didn't have any place to put it before, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. The Canadian Screen Awards, you've got your Earl Grey Lifetime Achievement Award. We know you're getting that. Uh, That's right. I'm coming home with that That for sure. You're coming home with hardware. Yeah. But you're also, as you mentioned, up for two other uh, awards, Best Lead Actress in a Drama Program or a Limited Series for Christmas Fury. And best supporting or guest actress in a comedy for uh, playing Tucker on Little Dog on yes. CBC. Yeah. So this is a really interesting thing because I read a recent interview that you had done, and you mentioned you said television and film are now all about beautiful young people, and the subject matters include heartbreak and romance. You don't see old women; they disappeared off the face of the earth. So I'm wondering if, when you receive award nominations like this, if that serves as any sort of vindication for you to say, no, no, I'm not letting us disappear. I think things are changing. Yeah. I mean, when Glenn Close spoke at the uh, uh, Golden Globes, I was never a fan of Glenn Close. I found her so cold and everything. But she spoke so humanly about her mother and that when her mother was 86 and her mother had spent her life bringing up Glenn and and all that and and supporting the father through his job, she turned to Glenn Close and said, uh, I I feel like I've never done anything in my life, right? Because she hadn't had whatever personal satisfaction she was looking for. So I think that things are different because we are the uh, boomers to a certain extent. So it's boomer 3.0 now, right? Yeah. And so maybe when we failed at changing the world back in the 60s, late, well, 70s really it was, wasn't it? Uh, the 60s didn't really happen until the 70s. Maybe <laughs> now, you know, we can get out there and actually bring about that new Jerusalem, that shining city on the hill that we dreamt about then because we don't have anything to lose anymore. What are they going to do? Kill us? Well, we're on our way out anyway. And so I feel like Gloria Steinem says that old women become more radical because they lose power because they are no longer the right. object of anybody's desire. But And old men get more conservative because they have power, which is easy enough to see when you see those old bags of rancid sin down in the American Senate, right? I mean, I'm honest to God, if you added their numbers, you probably couldn't even add them up the, uh, how old they are. But <laughs> women don't get to be that old in, in doing it's anything. It's true. What? It's a crypt down there. Yeah, the it's a crypt. I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, it's the Crypt Keeper. I hate that movie. <laughs> but uh, but um, so, you know, I'm pretty chuffed about the way things are. Uh, I, I still think that, you know, like when Frankie and Grace came on, I said, Frankie. Grace and Frankie, yeah. when I said to my, uh, somebody was helping me out then, she was only 22, and I said, um, I don't really like it. The comedy's sort of soft, you know what I mean? And she said, I love it. I have never seen two old women talking to each other uh, together on TV ever before. And I realized what an extraordinarily revolutionary thing it was, right? And I love it now, too. But but first, I just thought that they could have gone harder at the comedy. But, you know, it's great. But, uh, yeah, that's right. Like somebody like my my friend Jamie, who's only 22, she would never have seen that in her whole life, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And you had this great quote as well about uh, wrinkled radicals. Yes. I yeah. love that. Wrinkled yeah. Radicals. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So at, at uh, 66, how have you become more radical uh, over the years? 
Well, here's the thing. When you stop being the object or stop, stop wanting to be the object of somebody else's desire, you start being allowed to be the subject of your own life. So I feel much better inside myself. You know, even when things go wrong outside, and many, many things do, of course, because I'm alive in the world and that's what the world's like, I still have a kind of center that I manage to, that you get as you get older. And it's such a gift because like my friend Tommy Sexton, he didn't get to get older. And I think, what a sin, because it just is so sweet to be at that place. Like they say that there's a U-bend in human happiness towards a much happier old age. And that it, and that is what, whatever your, whatever your physical ailments are, whatever your monetary situation is, that it is a, a, a part of life, just like adolescence, like most of us go through that terrible adolescence. Right. Most of us will go through a happier old age. What, a, what good news? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you mentioned the, the grayer the world gets, the brighter it becomes. Yeah. At, at your uh, talk last year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting you say that because, yeah, I think a lot of people when they think of old age or older age, yes. they think of all the physical things and bodies breaking down. So, I mean, why is it just because, as you said, we're dropping those social expectations and just becoming ourselves Nobody can more? give a good explanation for it. Nobody really knows exactly why it is. Like, nobody can really understand uh, adolescence. Like, why do we have to suffer so much in adolescence? I know we're hormonally imbalanced and stuff like that. And maybe maybe it's, it's a physiological thing, too, with old age. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I thought it was all about me and how I'd worked so hard on myself and how much of a better person. But apparently it just happens to everybody. And uh, <laughs> But it's just such good news, you know? And I mean, does humor help at all in the aging process? If you can take on a sense of humor about how life is changing and how you yourself is changing, uh, does that play a role? Well, you know, humor has helped me uh, throughout my entire life, right? Yeah. So I'm, and, and it, you know, it's helping me through, you know, uh, different challenges I've had. And, and humor is always, has like books. I mean, humor <laughs> humor and books have dragged me through and uh, and liquor for a while. But then liquor's yeah. not really a good friend yeah. to like humor and, and books. Sometimes you just have to get away from liquor sometimes. But uh, <laughs> it was good while it lasted. <laughs> but um, there's a party girl you get sick of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're 40 and you're still like a big blonde party girl. It's like, mm. uh, but um, the um, um, humor, yes, of course. And I found, like I grew up with two maiden aunts and an uncle. And so I grew up around old people all the time. And I found that that's why I played old women, because old women could say anything and, and would say anything, you know, like, uh, how are the women home, Mike Tight? The sweet-faced, <laughs> apple-faced woman with gray, white hair in Brooklyn from, I mean, you know, like, honest to God, it was just like gasp, uh, you know. <laughs> And uh, honestly, you know, and you could just say anything and be anything. And they seem to have, you know, they seem to have reached a place where they were all right with themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. I think it's people like old age in general. Like there's always been this history, like the grumpy old man, Walter Matthau, Jack yeah. Lemmon, that type of thing where 
Well, uh, men are grumpy anyway. Right. So what's going to happen? <laughs> no, I mean, I think it, it 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 helps for both sides. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm but, always <laughs> No, what I mean is when I was growing up, I always was like, oh, he's an old guy or old woman or or whatever. When you're when I'm very young, obviously, uh, like I'm talking about like a kid adolescence and just always being told, don't worry about them. They're old. They can be however they want. They can be as rude as they want. They have the license. And I always grew up thinking, no, this guy can be... Uh, the biggest a-hole in the world or this lady can be the biggest bee in the world and I have no right to say anything. I always thought that. Wow. And I think, I mean, I, I, I don't have exactly the same experience, but I think I have some of the same experience yeah. as you. Like that people, like, because remember, now, I mean, even I'm 66, so I w- I'm right at the edge of that when everybody, w- I remember wanting to get grow up, really wanting to get to be an adult. Mm. Like listening to CBC Radio when I was 20, like, you know, <laughs> Sunday morning, because I wanted to be an adult. Like, And people would, even in pictures of, of school pictures of before me, just slightly before me, they all looked like they were 40. All the women looked like they were 40. All the guys, you know, we wanted to grow yeah. up because there was some sense that being grown up gave you some freedom and and happiness, right. I guess, that you just didn't have. And now we kind of laud childhood and 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 young. And I, I think that that's, uh, we got the wrong end of the stick there. I think we were closer to it back in the old days, you know, when we thought, oh yeah, I want to I want to be a grown-up. I want to do all those grown-up yeah. things, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, there's some, there's a bit of a trend with uh, people dyeing their hair more gray, like yeah. younger people dyeing their hair gray. and Mine has dyed, yeah. of course. You knew that. <laughs> of course. I don't have naturally gray hair because <laughs> I'm not that old. But uh, <laughs> I've had gray hair since I was in high school, so yeah. I mean, I that's fine. Mike's talking about the hipster phenomenon. It's like generally they're considered hipsters, like young girls in their 20s is what you mean, Mike, Some, yeah, going gray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's very popular, yeah. and it was yeah. more so a couple of years ago, but I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, is this serious? Like, where, where is this coming from? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I couldn't believe it. So there's a there's a change. There's definitely a change. Tragically, there's a change in the in in the political world too, where we're moving more towards uh, you know the right all over the world and uh, embracing all those tribal things yeah. that we thought we'd gotten past. But there also seems to be good changes in the world too, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, isn't it? Because you think, what's the balance? Are we going, is it getting better? Because old people always said, oh my God, when I was young, oh, things were so good. Uh, you know, and you know, uh, it was not like it was in my day. Yeah. You know, how many times did you hear that? And oh, get up and so you lazy, you lazy good for yeah. nothing. When I was your age, I used to walk to school with yeah. no shoes on my feet. Oh, shut Uphill up. Uphill both ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. But uh um wait, Mary, that's a lie, right? People did walk to school with their shoes on and they they're lying. Oh, uh, you know, I'm not sure if Van Cass and them had shoes because mom's father took off and went to New York and actually made $17 a day but didn't send anything home. And so they were really, Aunt Cass and mom went into service when they were seven, 15, 16 for no dollars, no money at all. They just went in for food and, and, and shelter. Wow. So they were really, things were really bad. Yeah. All right. So people didn't have shoes. Okay. Yeah. I, they may not have had shoes. I'm not sure. I've got a, an aunt cast. They're all, all right. dead now. There's nobody to ask. <laughs> it's it's an interesting balance, though, because like you said, people are um, are maybe perhaps more accepting of people getting older and it doesn't have those same negative connotations that it may have had. Like you're out of touch because you're a certain age, what have you. Right. Don't trust anyone over 30 sort of stuff. But at the same time. 
Um, I mean, when uh, and as, indigenous people are rising up again, right? Absolutely. Right? Don't you think? And we're opening up to the possibility that uh, that you aren't stuck with being a man or a woman that you could make a you know what I mean I'm not quite sure where that's going or anything I but but you know people seem to be open to it yeah and and embracing it to a certain extent right and so that's all like freedoms we never even dreamt that you know I mean when you watch the what when you watch the uh, the homosexual movement from the time that I was a girl till now you think oh my god if we want to change the world we should just get these guys on it because look what they've done look what they've changed you know they've changed people on on television they're not just the weird gay friend they're yeah. people who are gay on television which yeah. you know you would never Liberace who was not gay, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, so, you know, they managed Very to... perceptive, Mary. <laughs> who managed to change the world so quickly, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, and, even when uh, I was a teenager, Ellen having a, a kissing a woman on TV was oh, a huge deal. Huge, and, right? And now it's, yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just part of, of what yeah, we do. Yeah, it's part of what we, what we see. And, and, of course, the more we see, the more we know, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, like... A, Sometimes I think of the mistakes I made as a parent, you know, and I think, well, you know, when I, as I knew better, I did better. Yeah. You know, like you just right, can't yeah. do what you don't yeah. know, can right. you? Yeah. You know, I often, I often think my mother grew up in a quite a savage kind of way. And so she wasn't warm or loving or anything. And she learned how to be warm and loving from watching daytime soap operas. Like she would never, <laughs> you know, she would just shove you out the door when you were going away. And, and then I remember her hugging my brother Frank and I thought, Oh, this is weird, but I think she saw it on TV. Because she's you watching know? Young and the Restless. Was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she doing it with like where she was like moving her head, like tilting her head so she was Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so she was in the face. light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is that greater acceptance or this uh, maybe higher uh, understanding of, of of everyone, I don't want to say worth because that's the wrong word, but I mean, we're understanding that people have something to offer no matter what age and stage they are in life. Right. What does that mean for a performer who is, is in their 50s and their 60s and, and you know, beyond, especially as a, as a woman, you know, for the roles that you get offered and, and the parts that you Well, can you know, it's still basically a young person's game, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not, how many grandmothers are they going to have on? Uh, but, uh, but I think it is opening up and I, maybe it won't happen for me. But that, you know, like, I I remember reading a novel. It was about someone's relationship with their father. And it was a great, great first novel. Uh, I, I think it, was, it may have been Canadian. I'm not sure. But I thought, you know, I'm not that interested in this now. Because I'm gone on. Like, my father is liquid in the ground now. And I, my relationship, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not as important to me anymore. I don't feel that anymore. I'm not, you yeah. know, you know. And so... Who's telling the stories that are important to me, right? Because we do. Now, great books and stuff like that, they say, that you can read them at any right. age and they'll yeah. mean something to you. But uh, but there just seems to be a dearth of of stuff that would appeal to somebody my age or even even somebody who's 50. Like, what's on TV, like the news, I guess, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Wheel of Fortune, <laughs> and Wheel of Fortune, yeah, and I, I'm not, you know, I hate Wheel of Fortune uh, because I, I just don't, I want everybody to win. I just don't want people to lose. It makes me nervous, and uh, so, but you know, what shows are we creating? Uh, you know, that are, 
you know, and yeah. of course, I don't know. I mean, I don't have the answers, obviously. If I did, I'd be, you know, buying out Netflix yeah. or, you know, starting up Apple TV. Can you believe Apple TV now is taking over Netflix? Yeah. Netflix is going down, they said in the New York Times this morning. Wow. They implied that Netflix was going down, not rapidly. <laughs> no, it's interesting, though, that you say that because even we look at shows like the Kaminsky Method, which it, it's yeah. aging, but it's always about... Um, you know, I, I guess it kind of has to be with the struggles of aging, but it's yeah. never just like here's two people of a, of that age doing normal things. It has to be about like, oh, they're struggling with their mortality or their. But you when know. you see things about young people, they're struggling. They're yeah. struggling with high school or they're struggling with falling in love or they're struggling with the job or they're struggling with being a new mom. It, it That's what drama is, struggle. Yeah. And also that's what comedy is. So you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, Part of uh, getting older is also trying new things and experimenting new things. And you wrote your first novel uh, in 2017, right? Just, yes, 2017. Uh, were you, you were 65 at the time? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Well, I wanted to write a novel. I wanted to be a novelist. I didn't necessarily want to write a novel, if you know what I mean. Okay. But yeah. I wanted to be a novelist. You just all like my the life. idea. Yeah, the writing life is very romantic. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And not the li I wanted to have a published novel, like all the. Because the. Books that I read were meant so much to me, but I was always afraid to try because there's so many good books, yeah. so many brilliant books. But anyway, I ended up doing it, and uh, I, I, I have to say, when HarperCollins sent me the first book, it was the most satisfaction I'd ever felt in my whole life, including sex, because you have to remember that I am an Irish Catholic person of a certain age, and so whenever I was having sex, it was a very crowded room with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost all in there, not being that happy with what was going on. Wait, so, where was Mother Mary? And um, Oh, Our Lady wasn't yeah. actually there. No, Our Lady was, you know, uh, yeah floating and around ascending around the uh, around the ceiling <laughs> so um, yeah so uh, it was a very satisfying thing then of course you realize that uh, you're not a novelist just because you wrote one book because everybody they say has one book in them so you have to write four or five to really be a novelist so I'm working oh. on my second one. Oh, that's great but you know it, it was a very it was a great I so it made a big difference to me because I would always been afraid to do it afraid I couldn't do it like yeah. it is a large body of work right yeah and I just thought I wasn't up to it and uh, up to the task I thought I would just you know stop before like I I often stopped like I wrote a novel with my cousin Mary all the people in my family are called Mary, of course. Uh, I was going to say. Yeah, when I was seven, uh, May Woodbury, we called it May Woodbury because May is a derivative of Mary, so we didn't want to go too far outside the family name. Uh, my mother's name, Mary. I have all my, my, I have a brother, Kevin, my oldest brother, who took Mary in confirmation. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say, I have a brother named Mary, too. Yeah, but... he took Mary as a confirmation because wow. he had such a dedication to Our Lady. But uh, so we wrote, but we didn't finish it. You know what I mean? And, and you know how sometimes things stick like that when you're mm -hmm. young? And I thought I'd never be able to, like, I, I, I had all that want to do it, but I didn't know if I had the, like, people said, did you always want to tell this story? I went, no. <laughs> I didn't always, it wasn't so much the story I wanted to tell, I wanted to be a novelist yeah. you know like magically be a novelist but anyway I have another story and and so I'm working on it first one was called crying for the moon yeah and I can tell you at zoomer I get so many novels written by our readers who have always wanted to write a novel kind of like yourself and they wrote it yeah and, and then they're sending it to us to say hey take a look at what we did so I mean I know that there's there's 
countless people out there who had the same feeling you did. Yeah. So what advice could you give to them uh, if they're in their 60s or 70s or beyond and they want to write that novel or be a novelist? Mm. I would say, go ahead, do it. What do you got to lose? After I did it, it all seemed, of course, it's all so simple once you do it. Right. And, uh, and, and stop being afraid. And it isn't necessarily going to work, right? Everything's not going to work out, but do it anyway. Because even if you don't get it published or it isn't what the, what you hoped it would be, at least you've done it and you have yeah. that sense like, you know, I'm, I'm not just sitting around with my thumb up my bum going, oh, I want to be a novelist. You wrote a novel. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then all those novelists who you love, they all sent them in, like Alice Munro sent her short stories in to 72 publishers or something before anybody you know, said yes, you know. And that's so, got the Nobel uh, Prize. Just go go for it. Yeah. yeah. Easy to say now that I've done it. It only took me 65 years. If you got another <laughs> 65 years, just go for it. <laughs> well, that's a good point. You don't have to think of it as the finished product sitting right. in a bookstore. You just have to think of it as the, the, the pile of pages on your desk that you yeah. finished telling the story, right? Yeah, Regardless yeah, yeah. of what happens to it. And, you know, writing, I mean, and, and this is very new agey and, and, and ridiculous, but writing is such a... Whew, release. I used to write sketches like I remember I wrote this sketch about uh, who about this little, uh, you know, finding. Remember when you used to be finding your child within? And uh, and then I wrote this little sketch about this person who was finding their child within and then saying she couldn't find her. And, you know, she probably already drowned her with liquor. And <laughs> then I thought it had nothing to do with me. And then years later, I thought, wow, I was really my unconscious mind was really wrestling with a problem that I had that I had no idea was a problem until I, you know what I mean, yeah. read it or saw it years later. Wow. But it, I think it all was part of the process of letting that go, of coming to terms, even though I wasn't consciously coming to terms with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you're working on another book. You're going to be on uh, 22 Minutes. Everything we've talked about the Canadian Screen Awards. you got Little Dog on CBC. And I also read that you're prepping a cross-Canada tour with uh, Kathy Jones. Yes, we've already minutes. done two uh, two 10-minute segments in Halifax last week. Oh, wow. And then we're going out to Vancouver the 10th of April, and then we're taking the train from Vancouver to uh, Edmonton, and then we're coming from Edmonton to Toronto. And then that's it. I think there's six 10-minute segments that we're doing. And like it's like that thing... You know, my Aunt May had two friends, Murr and Agnes, and they'd had hard lives and brought up their children and everything, and then they got their old age pension, which was the first time they had any money of their own, and their Canada pension, and oh my Jesus, they were so happy. The two of them, they went to Ireland, they went <laughs> off to Montreal, they did what they liked, and they kicked up their heels. They were so happy. So I always think of the Mrs. E's as like that, yeah. like that you have this freedom now, and that we can finally be, you know, start to live our lives as we might have dreamt that we could, right. and now we have the a way to do it, right? And and you and Kathy are playing characters, uh, Mrs. Oh. Enid and Mrs. Eulalia, who often walk in the park. That's you know they walk in the park and talk about different things that are on the news. Usually, if it's on this hour's twenty-two minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and now they get to travel across Canada. Yeah. So when everything is said and done, and um, you know we're talking about radical aging and and women getting more radical as they age and. What do you hope uh, is the message that you're able to convey through your work about aging? Well, you know, I uh, 
I just wanted to, I, I had directed a film called Young Triffy's Been Made Away With, and it was the only film ever in the history of the Globe and Mail that they gave no stars to. And, uh, you know, true? it was just like it was a rank <laughs> failure on every level. And uh, and I moved away from directing and I wanted to direct again. And that was like maybe 2007 that I did that. And I wanted to start directing in television. And so my agent said, well, call your friends, you know, and see. And I just couldn't. And I thought I thought I was so afraid that they would say, are you kidding me? You know, like, uh, blah, blah, blah. But of course, I did it. I just went ahead and did it. And then I got to direct a couple of things, uh, uh, web pieces for the Little Dog. And, you know, I think I could have directed something at this hour, but this hour is always in transition, and maybe I'll get to do it next year. But I went ahead and asked. And that's a thing that I didn't know, that you're allowed to ask for what you want. You don't always get it, mm -hmm. but it's not a humiliation to not get it, that you can ask for what you want. Yeah. Like that's not a lesson that women learn, right? Because women are always trying to figure out what everybody else wants and try take care of that. And uh, so I finally feel like as you get older, you realize, well, I can, I could ask for that. And then, and that's how I felt when I finally did it. I felt, well, what happens if they say no? I don't care. Like, and I actually said, I don't care if you say no <laughs> because I'm ready for that. But, you know, I just want to ask if I can do, you know, that. Wow. The that was good. It was a big step forward for me. The best is like when, um, and I see this once in a while in media news or uh, like a news magazine show or segments where people bring on a guest who wrote a book. And it's usually like a self-help book for women, like how to ask for a raise, how right. to move up the, the ladder. Yeah. And it's something I'm just noticing more and more. It's like the way it's being asked, like women don't, like, hey, guys, like look at the TV. Women don't know how to ask for things. You oh, know? come and on. It's like, but we, we are, but we are never to... taught to ask for things, for God's sake. Yeah, I know. We you're taught to answer when other people ask for things and to take care of what. But it, it, it is funny, though, self-help books. It's like, oh, we have to learn. It just seemed to me that I kind of naturally fell into it at a certain age. It is. Where it's... I got tired of all the messages that I was carrying. Like, you don't have to carry those. I know, right? You know, but who knew that? You yeah. don't have to carry all the weight of what you learned or all the sadness of what happened to you or all the failure before. You can move on. You know, and who's to say no? I know. Right? I, I know. Like, let's just, like, the next generation will get better and better. And they'll yeah. know that. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But uh, it's just the funniest thing where I'm like, it's just such an obvious thing that I cannot believe I did not know these things. Oh, I was so afraid to ask things. for anything. I know. Like, the thought, I would always rehearse it in my mind with them laughing at me and saying, are you kidding me? And get out of this office. And, I mean, I, you know. Yeah. You did well for someone who didn't ask for. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I don't created like multiple that, do shows. I? And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lifetime achievement. Imagine if you had asked. I know. You'd have so much. I know. I would be Apple <laughs> taking over Netflix <laughs> if I had a penis. <laughs> well, that leads me to uh, just very simple question. What goals do you still have in life, professional or otherwise? Well, you know, my big goal is to get that book finished, but my other right. big goal is to get Hatching, Matching, and Dispatching back on the air. It only had seven shows. All of us are anxious to do it again. We have a, a map. We have a map the way through. All we need is a broadcaster who will go ahead and do it, uh, which, you know, it's not easy. You know, you can have a Lifetime Achievement Award and have a show that, you know, you created that's on the air for 27 years, and people will still just go, we'd love to be in the Mary Walsh business. And you go, well, that would be easy because just do this. But no, 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 no. They're not interested in that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 It's not, 
but but I am learning to just say, this is what I want to do. I want to do that. I was so ashamed of wanting to do hatching because it seemed like it was old. It had been on. You know, like when we do this hour's 22 minutes, we have to write a new show every week. And a sketch might not get in right. week one. And then you try to sell it in week two, but it already failed in week one, so it was almost impossible. Right. So that's the way I felt like. But I feel like you know I can just I can just ask, and we'll see how it goes, right? Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. And I mean, I, I don't know if this will be airing before the Canadian Screen Awards or okay. just after. Okay. So either uh, what were what do you think you'll be thinking when you're on stage collecting that lifetime achievement, or what were you thinking when you were on stage? Well, what do you think is going to be going through your mind when you're up there getting that award? Well, you know, of course, I'm really going to be grateful. But what I'm thinking is, if I I figure here's what I, I want to get the hat trick, all get all three awards because I'm figuring if Doug Ford could become premier of the great province of Ontario just because he said he wanted to with no visible, you know, means of being that, uh, why can't I get the... I'm an actor. Yeah, you have the talent. <laughs> why can't I get it? Yeah. Right? So I'm doing that whole abundance secret thing. And so, yeah, I'm just saying I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm definitely getting it, just like Doug Ford got the premiership. So you heard it here first. Mary's running for office. <laughs> Premier Walsh, I'm in down for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Mary, thank you so thank much you. for being here today. I and, really uh, enjoyed it. Thank uh, you. Again, congratulations on everything with the Canadian Screen Awards. However, it, it, it turns out, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's amazing. Thank and, you. And we look forward to the next book, the next project. These, <sighs> The web series that you've been doing with, uh, with Kathy. Kathy. It's yeah, called Broad Appeal. Broad Appeal, okay. And it's, uh, th- there, were, there are already six two-minute bits that we shot last year or the year before. And, and we got five million you know, shares or views or something on one, which is, you know, big. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's, uh, you can see them uh, on uh, the CBC thing. All right. Well, thank you again, Mary, so much. And uh, of course, Gina for the big uh, elaborate We'll do a wrap up when we, uh, we, we wish Mary. Oh, we're going to wish Mary. Yeah, sure. Mary, thanks for coming. Uh, Thank you, you guys. Thank you. Hope you feel better. just left us yeah we that, just, she was great mary walsh was one of the funniest guests i think we've ever had yeah she was wonderful she is awesome mary and myself are both a little under the weather and uh, you know we both uh, did our own set of cold drugs yeah. uh, cold medication is <laughs> but you but guys I, nailed it oh yeah certainly yeah yeah, yeah. she likes it. the uh we like different brands so we had a little debate about that oh did you uh-huh uh-huh i won't plug them here because they're not paying us mike you oh, see it's yeah, all about the cheddar yeah. And so speaking of that, we should uh, tell everybody where they can find us, obviously, on everythingzoomer.com and uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Um, if, you're, if you find us on iTunes, please subscribe and write a review for us. That's how people would find us, OK? Because yeah. nobody knows where we are. And we like to read nice things about ourselves. Yeah, we do. I mean, That's uh, true. Assuming you write a nice review if you don't want to have uh-huh. anything nice to say. Just keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, or you know what? Just walk away. You know, go hug someone. Yeah, go walk away. You know, that's what the world needs, needs more hugs. And Mary Walsh. People like Mary Walsh. She was great. Yeah, doing what you said. We're asking for these things. Like she said, you got to ask for things in life. Well, so. you know how she was talking about being Irish Catholic and, 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 and that's why sex was never that enjoyable for her because so many people were in yeah. the room, all the saints, like the, um, the God, yeah. God, Jesus, the, all the Holy Ghost and stuff. Irish Catholic, this Roman Catholic. I'm surprised Mary didn't, like, for Mary, for me, has always been like, get out of here, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mother Mary, I'm talking about, not Mary Walsh. Yeah, not Mary, Mary Walsh. Walsh Mary Although, Walsh I will maybe start um, visiting Mary Walsh. House. The door's locked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, our Italian Catholic upbringings and, and the Irish Catholic is very similar. Yeah, for me, it's like definitely, it's like Jesu, Mother Mary, and Padre Pio. Like, they're Padre in the room Pio. with me. And I'm like, you guys get out of here. Yeah. Okay, so you can find us on those platforms. And uh, Mike, say goodbye because... Uh, because you're the one that's good at it, you know? I can't say goodbye. <laughs> Thank you I'm so much. I'm a rambler, Mike. I can't stop talking. <laughs> except when Mary's here. Sorry I wasn't on the mic too much because uh, I was running a bunch of things. She was looking at me in shock because I was running a camera. I was running the recorder. I was moving back and forth. Mike did not leave me enough room between the wall. Oh, my God. And my, and my recorder here. So I had to keep... Re- like you know when you have to do that thing where you're going in between like a tight space and you have to like tuck your stomach in? Mike, I did that a yeah. lot. I really worked up a sweat today. Okay, well, thanks for joining <laughs> us on Ages and Icons, everyone. Yes, thank you, Mary, for being here and we're rooting for you at uh, the Canadian Screen Awards. Thanks, Gina, and thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time on Ages and Icons. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.